Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining Dorsey Ross on this episode of The Dorsey Ross Show. In this episode, Dorsey interviews another special guest that will give you hope and inspire you. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining Dorsey on another episode of The Dorsey Ross Podcast. As always, Dorsey will share from his heart and give you a very inspiring message. Now, here is your host, Dorsey Ross. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of the Dorsey Ross Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Dave Ebert. He is a comedian. He is an improv comedian. He is from Chicago, and he will tell us a little bit more of his story, but he has dealt with um, depression for decades and suicidal isolations, which, if he's willing, he can get into that as well, and how he went from that to becoming a comedian. So, Dave, thank you for joining me, and welcome to the Dorsey Podcast Show. Hey, Dorsey, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm really uh, blessed to be able to, to chat with you today and share just a little bit of uh, my story, which is God's story. Right, absolutely. So what is, what is your story? Where did you grow up? What was life like for you? And how did you become a comedian? Well, I have been kind of the class clown, uh, the funny guy my entire life. Uh, even at, uh, as young as two years old, there's a photo of me, uh, trying to steal the attention from my mom and, and her friends at, a, at the pool because they were having a bodybuilding contest the same day. And here's the little chubby two year old me not wanting to, you know, share the spotlight. So they had a picture of me just flexing my little muscles, trying to be funny. So even at two, I was somebody that wanted to entertain and, uh, make people laugh, make people smile. Um, but fast forward uh, to sixth grade, uh, that was when I first accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, but unfortunately, I was not in a uh, church or in a community that really discipled and really taught a lot of, of how to grow in Christ, uh, especially for kids. So the seeds were planted. I was saved then, but it never really took root, never really grew. Uh, and because I didn't have a strong relationship with Christ, the challenges of my life kind of added up and I ended in, entered into a deep depression uh, in my junior year of high school. Um, and uh, once I entered that deep depression, it was almost a daily battle with the idea of, do I commit suicide or do I try to live one more day? Uh, I never took action as far as planning a suicide and, and executing, uh, but I definitely thought about a million different ways that I could do it where it would, number one, look like an accident, and number two, wouldn't leave a major mess behind to clean up. So it was it was deep, and I was planning on, on, on suicide, but my whole life, I would, you know, during that time, I would get mad at myself because I couldn't do it. But looking back, all those voices where I thought was me being a coward was that still small voice of, of Christ telling me not to take that step. And so, Absolutely. And so 
what I cursed as weakness was God reaching out to me through the storm. And so I never took that step, though I thought about it and I really thought I wanted to. Uh, but this whole time, nobody knows. I don't tell anybody about my struggle. I don't open up about it because I was embarrassed. It's like, how could I, you know, I'm, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I should be able to overcome this. I should be able to think my way through this. I don't need to bring anybody else into this mess, which is just another lie from Satan himself. So the, in order to mask it, I was still performing and using comedy as a way to entertain people. So I was making people laugh as a way to hide how I was feeling. But then I was also making people laugh as a way to justify my existence. Because if I was able to make you laugh, if I was able to bring some joy in your life, then I could justify my existence and, and having value. And so it was that constant battle of if I can make somebody laugh, then I could justify living. But if I don't make somebody laugh, if I don't make somebody feel better, then I now have no reason to live. Right. So it was this, it was an ugly battle and I fought it for many years and I, I fought it alone. Um, I, I even got mad at God when things wouldn't go right. And I would say, just leave me alone and let me have some happiness. Uh, but all those things like the, you know, relationships falling apart, uh, job opportunities not panning out, things like that. All those different things that I was getting mad at God, he was actually protecting me, even though I wasn't in a relationship with him. And so uh, keep going through. I, I, I was married once before my current marriage. Uh, that fell apart very quickly. And again, that fell apart because neither one of us knew the Lord. Neither one of us had a right relationship with him. So it was easy to quit once things got hard. So after, you know, after we got divorced, the depression hit even harder one more time because here was the first person ever to say, I will love you for the rest of my life, but they couldn't stand to be married to me for, for four months. And it, <laughs> so like the voices uh, of the enemy, the lies of the enemy that kept coming back now had evidence to prove that nobody would love me, that I was not valued. So in 2013, uh, now about eight years ago, I finally took the step and started pursuing the Lord. I, I was literally at this point where it was kind of like being on a mountaintop where the right side of the mountain, if I go down that, I would be pursuing God and I would give my life to God. But then the left side of the mountain I kept looking at it because that's where I could take my life and just end the pain and get, get it over with. But from that mountaintop, I took the step to the right and started pursuing the Lord. And um, he, he showed me that all these years of being funny, of entertaining people, of using comedy to make a difference, he was going to let me still do that, but he was going to use it for his purposes instead of hiding who I was and how I felt. I was now going to use it to reveal who he was and how he felt. And so comedy became my ministry. I left West Virginia to come to Chicago and uh, pursue using my gifts and my talents to minister to people, to make their lives better, and not because I was trying to keep them from seeing who I was, but it's because I want them to know that there's a God that loves them, a God that wants them to laugh. 
Uh, he's a father who wants to hear his children laugh and have joy. And in a small way, I'm able to be a part of that. Right, absolutely. Did you immediately go into um, Christian comedy, or did you start off, you know, going to um, places that weren't, you know, churches or Christian events? Well, actually, when I actually pursued comedy as a real outlet, it was because I now had that relationship with the Lord. So all of my comedy since 2013 has been clean comedy in a way to honor him. But there's not a lot of opportunities for training or classes with Christians. So I was training at places like Second City or other Chicago theaters where I would be the only person that knew Jesus in the building. Right. But that was a great opportunity because here I am, the only Christian in the building, but I'm able to be just as as funny as anybody else without using sexual humor or being mean or cursing. And so there in of itself was a way that I could share the love of God and the love of Christ by bringing that joy with me, even though I wasn't openly preaching, I was, I was still ministering because I brought that joy and light of Christ and was able to still honor him from the stage. Right. Did they, you know, being in a secular location like that, did they find your comedy as, as funny as the other comedians? I feel like I was at least on everybody's level as far as being funny and being creative. And God kind of developed in me an ability because doing improv, there's no script. You're flying off the cuff. And what you have to do is you have to listen to the people you're performing with so you can respond in a way that's that's honest but still creative. And so in order to be able to be honest and creative with people who were not Christian, I had to think twice as fast because I had to think in a way that – I could see what options would lead to a place where I could get in trouble as far as going to a you know dirty humor. And then I'd have to find right. a different option to make sure that I could prevent from getting stuck there. So God developed that ability to kind of see ahead enough that I was able to avoid any situations where I would have to curse or I would have to, you know, become dirty. He gave me that ability, which made me a much better improviser because I could think that much quicker. Right. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. You know, that God was able to give you that ability. Yeah. Fundamentals of improv is my job is to work with the people on stage. Uh, I'm supposed to support them and, you know, build a scene and build the comedy with them. Now, if I was, wasn't able to prevent the scene from going to a place where there would be dirty humor, I would have to find a way to still protect my faith while also supporting them. So it, it was it was a it was a good challenge, and I'm thankful that God gave me that challenge because it, it like I said, it just made me a much better improviser overall. Right. So, what's the difference between improv and stand up? With with stand up, most everything you see a stand up com comedian do is has been practiced, has been written, has been rehearsed, and they're basically 
reciting a script. Now, there's obviously because of the crowd reaction and things, there's some things that are tweaked live on stage, but they have kind of a safety net. They know that once I tell this joke, I've got another joke coming. And so they so they have a safety net of knowing if this joke falls flat, I've still got another joke I can tell that will bring the crowd back. With improv, it's completely made up. You go out there with no safety net. Uh, the chances of you falling flat on your face are so huge. And that's what makes it more, you know, that's what makes improv pleasing for the audience is like when they go to the circus and they see the trapeze artist working without a net, they know that there is a danger and they appreciate the effort to create something special with that danger present. Now I'm not going to say, I don't believe that improv is better and I don't believe stand up is better. I think that they have great value and they're just completely different art forms. Right. I wish I could do stand-up, but I, I have a very hard time planning to be funny. Every, everything okay. I do is just inspired by what's going on in the room that I'm in. Right. What was your funniest moment or favorite moment on stage? There was a, a show we did um, a few years ago where I was playing a grandma... So uh, this is audio, so people don't know anything about me. I'm about six foot three, uh, 350 pounds plus. So physically, I am the furthest thing away from a grandmother that you can get. But that was the character I played. I was playing a grandmother with my big bushy beard, you know, kind of hunched over like I'm on a walker. And at the end of the scene... Uh, I had a pet donkey, and one of the uh, ladies that was in the scene with me, where I'd put the donkey, because you know, obviously in improv you don't have actual props, so my donkey was just set on stage, and she kind of walked over where he was, and I said, oh no, you kicked my donkey! So that was funny, of course. Um, and then she responded, and goes, Grandma, I'm sorry, it was an accident! And then I responded, you were an accident, which was hilarious because we were performing in front of a, a teenage lock-in event. And that's something that kids pick on each other saying that, oh, you weren't planned. You know, you were an accident. Mom and dad didn't want you. You know, that kind of thing. Right. So when I said that, it was so shocking. It was so authentic. It, and it was so fun you heard 600 kids explode in laughter. And it, that was probably the funniest moment because everybody on stage just kind of froze because it was so funny and the crowd loved it. And that was probably our greatest moment or at least one of the greatest ones. You were an accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, my story you know, I won't tell it because most people know it, or some people know it. But, you know, I would think that as well, that I was an accident only because of the fact that when I was born, my mom was 41, my dad was 45, and they were not expecting me to be right. born. You know, they weren't expecting to have another child. Right. <laughs> Especially at that age. Sure. So, yeah, and, but, uh, whether or not it was planned, God knew it was going to happen. So it was planned to at least that extent. 
Right, absolutely. Who are your comedy influences? I like to think that I picked up a lot from Chris Farley because, as I mentioned, I'm I'm pretty heavy set guy. Uh, Chris Farley and John Candy are some of my bigger influences as far as uh, the stuff I do. Uh, probably more John Candy because I like to do smart humor, humor that makes you think. Um, and that that's the way John Candy was a lot. He, he was very subtle and very intelligent with it. Uh, another one that I really love is Michael Jr. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, he's a uh, he's a, a black comedian. He's a Christian comedian, and he's just he's he's just so good. And uh, one of the things that inspires me about him is he gave an interview where he said, "Laughter is the tangible evidence of hope." And it's like, yes, because if you laugh, it means that no matter what situation you're in, there's still that little flicker, that little flame of hope in your life. And I love that quote. And I, I quote him often because it's so poignant and so true. So, you know, those would be my big three is uh, Chris Farley, John Candy, and Michael Jr. Have you ever met any of the um, Christian comedians like um – Mark Lowry or Tim Hawkins? I haven't met them. I've met Bob Smiley, and uh, I'm actually okay. uh, friends with him on Facebook. And um, yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna say like we're buddies, but you know, we're definitely on friendly terms. You know, he's uh, he's incredibly talented, and um, you know, I had him on my podcast, and his he's got a powerful testimony too because. He grew up in a Christian home, but he he went through some majorly painful things uh, a few years ago. Um, so he's he's probably the biggest person I know as far as like Christian comedians. But if anybody out there has never heard of Bob Smiley, go check out his uh, YouTube. Check out his Dry Bar special. He's incredibly funny, and he's he's a really he's a good dude. Uh, he's uh, somebody's just really nice. Uh, so encourage anybody to support my friend Bob. Um, and yeah, you know, there's a few other people that I've connected with on Facebook, but as far as like met in person, uh, haven't, uh, haven't had that chance yet. So give us a little bit, you know, a minute or two of improv comedy if you can. All right. Um, so one of my favorite games that we used to do, um, is a uh, speech writer. So, uh, what we'll do is I'll make up a speech as a uh, somebody that might speak in front of people. So I'll go to you, Dorsey, for a suggestion. Uh, what is uh, a position or a type of person that would give a speech to a group of people? A, a minister. minister. All right. And what is something that a minister would unlikely speak about? Oh. Brothers and sisters. There's a word that uh, we don't like to say very often. So instead of actually saying it, I'm just going to spell it for you. H-E double hockey sticks. Now, as your minister, I want you to avoid H-E double hockey sticks. I want you to believe in the name of J-E-S-U-S and not go to H-E double hockey sticks. Now, what I want you to do to avoid going to H-E double hockey sticks is to write me a C-H-E-C-K and put a bunch of zero, 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 zeros in front of that decimal. 
and give to your C-H-U-R-C-H and support my M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y. Thank you so much, my B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S and S-I-S-T-E-R-S. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you said that uh, ministers don't like to talk about hell. So I didn't talk about it. I spelled it and uh, I decided, well, let's let's have some fun with that idea of just spelling everything out. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. Uh, and improv is an entirely different animal when it's solo, too. Usually you have at least two people. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, you and I could do some improv together. In fact, if you think about it, this entire conversation has been kind of improv. Um, you will set it up. Right. I'll, I'll respond and go back and forth. We didn't. We're not reading from a script. Um, so yeah, improv, and that's one of the things that I like to teach about improv when I do teach it is that improv is just re- listening to understand and then respond. Too often in our lives, we get so busy we only want to listen to respond. But if we learn to improvise and if we learn to listen understand and then respond then our relationships improve our communication improves and the world can improve because we'll actually understand each other instead of just yell back and forth at each other over politics or or sports teams or this or that so that's why i love about improv is it teaches you to listen understand and then respond right do you do I mean obviously you do Christian comedian or Christian me, obviously you do Christian improv, but do you do anything maybe that you know political but you can tie in or some type of you know outside of the box type stuff other than just strictly Christian comedian? Well, what we do and what I like to do is. I want to bring people together. So as far as my ministry and my comedy, it stays very middle of the road. And it's all about bringing people together because at the end of the day, politics, current events, it really doesn't matter. What matters is Christ. So so I try to avoid yeah. politics as far as being, as far as speaking from my ministry and from my comedy, because I don't want people to turn off the message of Christ because I've appeared to be in support of Donald Trump or I've appeared to be in support of Joe Biden or I've appeared to be a Republican or appear to be a Democrat. I don't want the worldly labels to distract from the message of Christ. Um, now, will we make fun of things and, and joke about things? Absolutely. Uh, but we'll do it in a way that's uplifting and encouraging and brings people together. Uh, so I want to always use my platform to bring people together to the foot of the cross and then let the, the, the conviction of the Holy spirit uh, speak on politics and current events from that. Now, personally on my own time in my own place, I have my opinions. I have very strong opinions, but that's for people that know me that will hear me and not just, you know, cancel me because I said something or I believe something. So I just want to use comedy as a way to, encourage and bring people together. That's awesome. 
what's one of the biggest things you wish fans, friends, and family knew about comedy? I wish more people understood that it's a gift from God. God is our father, and what father, what good father doesn't love and take joy in the sound of their children laughing? Every good father loves to make their kids laugh and loves to hear their kids laugh and loves to feel the joy of their childhood. And laughter is a gift from God. Uh, the, the medicinal and health values that come with laughter are, are undeniable. There's been study after study, research after research that shows that laughter is, is an almost a necessary thing for healthy emotional state, healthy mental state, and healthy physical state. God gave it to us as, as a gift. And I think there's too many Christians who feel that laughter is irreverent and is disrespectful to the church. If you have the true joy of Jesus Christ in your life, how can you not find that joy overflowing in laughter? Um, so if you're constantly frowning and stiff, I think it's time to reconnect with the Savior of the world who took such great joy in us, even in our broken, fallen state, that joy and laughter has to be part of the Christian walk. I truly believe it has to be. Yeah, that's great. For someone that's listening today and maybe dealing with depression or dealing with anxiety, what's something that you would tell them to help them to get through or to be able to deal with that depression in their lives? First thing I would say is the voices that speak to you and bring you down, those are liars. Those are voices directly from the pit of hell. Um, don't to the best of your ability, don't give them credence, don't give them weight. Know that they're lies, they're mistruths, and they're only there to distract you from the real truth. And the real truth is there is a God in heaven that knows you by name, that knows the number of hairs on your head, and he longs for a relationship with you. So if you're in a place where you feel depressed and weighed down and you feel like there's no hope, Stop listening to those voices and seek God. Let God carry you through. Uh, take one more step. Take one more breath and just trust that God is there. Now, I do want to be honest and say that just because you pursue God doesn't mean you're immediately, necessarily, you're immediately going to be healed of all depression or all signs. Sometimes there are people like Paul uh, who have struggles and Sometimes God lets something remain to keep you humble, to keep you reliant on God. So I don't want to lie and say that, oh, it's a magic switch. Every time that you turn to Christ, everything bad goes away. But I want to let you know that this life is only temporary. And our job is to work towards the eternal. So there's hope in God. There's hope in Christ and you are worth the effort. If nobody else in your life and nobody else in this world had ever turned to Christ, Jesus would still have died for you alone so that you could go to heaven.
you are to die for. Christ has said that, and that cannot be revoked. The God of the universe believes that you are worthy. All you have to do is just trust in him, rely on him. And those days that the, the weight seems impossible and you feel like you're falling, fall forward. Just continue to fall towards him and let him pick you back up. Because when you fall forward flat on your face, that's a great place to start before the king. Because he will lift you up. He will exalt you because you have humbled yourself before him. So I just want to encourage you with that. And also, anybody that's out there that's struggling, my email box is always open for you if you need somebody to speak to. Now, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm not going to throw scripture at you. I'm not going to tell you to pray it away. But I want to be there for you. I want to walk with you through the battles that you're facing. Uh, So you can email me anytime, dave at giftsforglory.com, dave at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And just tell me what's going on, and I want to be there for you. I know that sometimes, especially from my experience with depression, it would be easier to talk to somebody that doesn't know you because there's no judgment, there's no preconceived notion, there's no chance of causing hurt or harm. So if you need somebody to talk to, I'm offering to be that person. Just shoot me an email and uh, let's start the conversation. Amen. Well, thank you, Dave, for joining me today on this episode of the... Hey, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Dorsey Ross Podcast. Please don't forget to check out Dorsey's website at www.dorseyrossministries.com and also check out his book titled Overcomer, where he shares his story of what God has done in his life. You can also donate to his ministry or to this podcast as well. Until next time, God bless and have a great day. Thank you again for joining Dorsey Ross on this episode of The Dorsey Ross Show. Please like, share, and tell others about the show. Also, please check out the other podcast episodes. And if you would like, donate to this podcast and buy Dorsey a coffee. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.